You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. It is always work. It is always work. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> it is always wonderful uh, to start the podcast off professionally. And uh, that's exactly what I just did right then. Like I was a broken record. I am so happy to welcome back one of my very first guests on the show. And now we're up to, I don't know, episode 305 or 6 now. Jess from Budget Savvy Bride, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's super fun to be back. Jess, we met a long time ago, many moons ago, when you did agree to be on my show. And I was this random chick that emailed you going, hi, I've got this idea for a wedding podcast. Do you want to be on it? And you very graciously agreed. And you've been on the show a number of times since. And it's just so great to welcome you back because you're also now a published author. Congratulations. This is very exciting news. Oh, thank you so much. Same to you. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> We're author sisters. Yes. So, um, if for people who potentially have not heard of you and what you do before, can we can you give us a little bit of an update? Well, especially because we haven't talked for a little while as well, where you're at with the blog and you've got fingers in a lot of different pies. It's very exciting. And also you are helping a lot of people plan their wedding without necessarily going bankrupt. Yes. Hit it. <laughs> So um, I started my blog, The Budget Savvy Bride, in 2008 when I was planning my own wedding. And um, at the time, there was nowhere near the number of resources that exist online today. And so I kind of started the blog as a way to keep track of my own ideas and, um, you know, with the, with the hopes of potentially inspiring a few other people along the way. But um, I think as a result of it being the recession here in the States at that time, mm. uh, the, the tone and the subject matter the, like really, you know, resonated with a lot of couples who were going through the same thing. Yeah. Lots of people with, um, layoffs and, you know, trying to plan weddings on like a smaller budget. And so it's kind of the right place at the right time. But, um, I think everybody, uh, you know, wants to be smart with their money. I don't think unless you're a Kardashian, you know, you are just throwing money <laughs> willy nilly, like it doesn't matter. So, um, I definitely think that we publish, you know, tips that are relevant to any, any size wedding, but, um, the, the website content is a, a mixture of, you know, real weddings that are submitted to us by couples where they share how they spent their budget, um, how much they spent in each area, the things that they did, the tips and tricks they used to save money, um, as well as lots of expert advice from me and other, um, professionals in the wedding space and some DIY projects and, um, mm. free printables. Um, there's a real variety of stuff on the website. So, um, yeah. And then now, um, here I am, uh, the, the blog will be 10 this May and, um, which is insane. <laughs> um, and, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I just, uh, published my first book. So it's actually out on February 6th. It's very exciting. The budget savvy wedding planner and organizer. And that is today's topic. We are going to, uh, mine you, my lady, for your best budget savvy tips to help plan uh, your wedding. And what is great with the Bride Chiller community, you know, one of the things that is, you know, I love is that we've got brides that are, and grooms, and brides and brides and grooms and grooms that are either spending 
a little tiny bit of money or a lot of money. And it's the sort of the ethos of Bride Chiller, I suppose, is that, you know, do whatever you hell, the hell you want and make it happen. And I think it's very much the same with Budget Savvy. You Budget Savvy Bride, you've got this this great sort of message of spend money where it's important, not necessarily feel obliged to spend money on big ticket items if it's not your scene. So I'm stoked to get into the list and hear your tips and uh, let's just kick it off. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely agree. Um, and to that point, um, on focusing on things that are important to you, um, I would say, you know, I'm going to share five tips today and they're more about ways to stick to your budget because obviously yep. in previous episodes that I've been on, we've talked about setting that budget and, and how to do that. Um, so this is mm. tips for sticking to it because that's, that's really the hard part, right? You can set a budget, you can sit down and like figure out the number, but sticking to it is a lot more difficult, I would say in practice. So, hundred um, percent. Oh, and it's, it's like when you're trying to go, I'm going to be fit and healthy and I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to do this sort of stuff. And you just ignore it or you put it away and you don't have to look at it or a credit card bill that I like to say doesn't exist. So yeah, this is very important. <laughs> Precisely. Um, yeah. So um, my first tip is, um, you know, to really sit down and identify your kind of core values and priorities um, and use them to guide your decisions, especially when it comes to where you're spending your money for your wedding. Um, there's the actually the first chapter in my book is all about kind of defining the vision you have for your day, kind of basing it on you and your partner's shared values and priorities, not just for your wedding day, but also for your life. So if you, mm-hmm. you know, are really, you know, ready to put, put down a down payment on a house together shortly after you get married, then that might be your priority. And the wedding might not be as big of a priority. So you might choose to mm-hmm. elope or have something very small and intimate to keep costs down. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a whole chapter in the book where it really kind of helps you identify those core values and priorities, um, to help you decide where to spend your money. Um, so that's tip number one. And then, and do you th- can I ask you, Jess, with with this conversation? Do you think one thing I've noticed, and especially it's interesting watching the community, our Facebook community, sort of talk about um, the <laughs> the differences when people have that conversation with their partner of how broad their ideas can be about cash and how much money they want to spend on a wedding and that can be really surprising when one partner's like I think $20,000 is reasonable and the other one's like well I was thinking 80 and you're going oh well then we've got to come to some sort of compromise or at least figure out why our our numbers are so different um that can be challenging I think for couples to come to that conclusion together Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, these are all definitely important things to kind of uh, get out of the way and have those conversations before the wedding day. Um, Just so Mm. you know, each other's spending habits and what you consider to be expensive might not be the same that your partner um, thinks be expensive. So (laughs) it can be a challenge. And, um, and I think, you know, it's just one of those important kind of conversations you have to have. And and specifically in um, the book, there's questions that kind of help you lead those conversations um, and kind of guide them to get down to the nitty gritty of it. So I think it's really great um, an exercise that you can do together with your partner. Great. Awesome. Um, So number two is really getting organized from the beginning and keeping thorough records of everything that you're spending, obviously keeping all your contracts organized and things like that. Um, I think it's really important to kind of get yourself 
um, organized right from the start, whether that's, you know, purchasing a wedding planning binder or, you know, starting a spreadsheet with all your expenses, keeping everything together in a Google drive, you know, putting all your receipts in a, in a little accordion folder, whatever, whatever your system, you know, find one that works for you and make sure you're keeping track of everything. So you really know where you stand, how much you've spent already, and then how much you have left to spend. I think it's so important, um, to do that, you know, along the way, because then you can kind of course correct if needed. I think, you know, I think you've hit it with a lot of people. They're like, you know, we've both written physical planners where you can write in and get a pencil and a pen and write it in. Some people aren't, you know, a, a very electronically minded. And I always sort of say Trello is a great place if people have never explored Trello. It's a free, um, what would you say? it? Have you used that, Jess, Jess Trello? Uh, yeah. It's like a task management, I would say. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. You should work for Trello because I fucked that up. Um, <laughs> I There's a lot of great yeah. stuff out there like that yeah. Trello or Asana is another one kind of yes. project management. So, and, yeah. And they're not – what I think about – I always sort of say about Trello, if, if you just want to, you know, sure, buy the books and get it all organized that way. But if you say, oh, I don't want to write it physically down, find something that works for you that you want to go back and use. And I, I, I mentioned Trello because that's what I use for my podcast episode management where I'm working with um, my lovely content editor, Jess, uh, so your Jess, Erica. Um, and I find it, I'm a very visual person. And I think also because I'm mildly dyslexic, I find it easier to look on a screen and move things around and like you can pick up boxes and move them. And and to me, that works for my brain. And I think it's just finding a way that you would want to go back and repeat, visit and maintain it without just going, oh, this is too hard. I give up and then never following the budget. So I suppose that's my little tip if you're not, if you're a little bit like me and a bit more image focused and as in images in seeing things on the screen you can add photos to it and you can um, pick drag and drop stuff it just works for my brain so that's my suggestion yeah. just to jump in your episode too. oh no that's great advice and actually like I I wish that more of those digital tools had been available when I was planning my wedding, just because it is really great and convenient to be able to take it with you on the go. Um, I use personally, I use Evernote for everything. (laughs) I keep all sorts of notes and, um, and ideas and checklists and whatever in there. So it's great because you can access it from your computer or your phone or wherever. So if digital is your thing, like use that as your system, but whatever works for you, as long as you're keeping track of it. And sticking to the budget theme as well, that all of these things we've mentioned do like Trello's free, Evernote runs a free version. Um, Asana, mm-hmm. as you said, is free. You, you don't have to spend money on this stuff. And there are lots of great apps that will um, do this for you for a fee as well. So it just depends where you want to put your money. But don't use the excuse to not record all your stuff because someone's going to charge you for it. It can all be free. Just relax. Yes, that's some tough love from Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know. <laughs> um, great suggestion, Jess. I think it's very important to track and make sure that you actually it's silly setting a budget and then not actually following through with it. A bit of a it's a bit of a, a non starter. It's great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So next next tip I would say, um, you know, kind of no brainer, um, in terms of like, duh, of course, you're going to, you're going to figure out that number that you're going to spend, like sitting down and actually deciding what is our max that we are willing to spend some, the, the price that we are absolutely not willing to go above. Um, Mm -hmm. 
getting really clear about what that is and kind of holding yourselves accountable together. Um, you know, whether that's just the money that you two have thrown in, um, towards the wedding fund or, you know, factoring in your family's contributions, if they have, um, thrown in any money towards the wedding expenses, uh, just really getting clear overall on like, what is that kind of drop dead price? You're not willing to go Mm -hmm. above and, um, and just being really, uh, diligent and committed to that. What what I love about visiting um, your blog and really getting to know some of the real couples that contribute, and it's really fantastic. And I've I've always sort of come back to this that you know you visit Budget Savvy Bride and you can look at uh, weddings that have been created for ten thousand dollars and five thousand dollars and twenty thousand dollars. You can you can actually look at the the amount and see what someone else has done in real life terms. Do you think uh, the success of a lot of the people that you feature? comes from the fact they've been very diligent and they've been very like their real goal setters in the way that they've stuck to their budget and they've found almost lateral thinking ways to save money and get stuff done? That's a good question. I would love to like survey all of the couples who've <laughs> submitted to uh, to be featured, you know, like find out their Myers-Briggs or whatever their personality type is to see if they're just yeah. like, very organized types. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a level of, you know, like diligence and commitment and discipline that goes involved um, in planning a wedding on a smaller budget and really being committed to sticking to it. Um, I also think that a lot of our readers and, you know, the couples who submit their weddings to us are, um, you know, proud that they were able to do this Absolutely. On, on a budget yeah. that they could afford and that they didn't take on debt to make it happen. Um, so I think that's a really great aspect of of the features that we publish, um, just knowing that they are proud of their like thriftiness and um, what they were able to accomplish without putting themselves in a financial bad situation. Yeah, and so many. I mean, honestly, uh, it's it's like I don't want to say it's like wedding porn because that sounds grimy, but it is. <laughs> I look at some of these weddings and go, "Oh my god, you did it for how much?" Like it's. They should be proud because some of the the aesthetics, especially, which I know are really hard and we always go back to saying, you look on Pinterest and then you go, I want that. And then you realize, you break it down and realize, oh my goodness, that that table decoration, uh, you know, the plan would cost 10G a table or something crazy. So, it, you know, I think they should be very proud of achieving what they achieve and being really wily with the way that they've spent the money and getting deals and, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm proud of them for them. I know me too. I'm just like, it makes my heart swell a little bit. I'm like, they, <laughs> you know, are proud of what they did and they're proud enough to share it, you know, on my website to help other couples who are doing the same thing that they just did. I think it's just like a really, um, wonderful, like, like sense of like goodwill and like paying it forward. It's great. And and all of the stuff that you feature as well, people give all their vendors and they the ins and outs of how they did it. So it's all very it's all very clear about how you can achieve it too. There are no magic tricks and people just going, Hi, I just got my friend to give it all to me for free. Bye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well you for do sure. see that sometimes and you're like, well that's not achievable. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough when it comes to those things. I mean I definitely think, you know, you should absolutely tap your your network of family and friends if they have talents that you can utilize. But mm. in most cases, some people might not have that luxury. So um That's true. you know, I I think just like every person is a unique snowflake, so is every wedding and every wedding budget. So <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. 
There will be more of the lovely Jess from the budgetsavvybride.com and her fabulous ways to stay on a budget after these messages from our lovely Bride Chiller partners. Tip number four. So Go for it. Um, yes, four is being willing to make necessary cuts and adjustments if mm. you overspend in certain areas. So, you know, in line with keeping track of everything that you're spending along the way, if you happen to go a little bit over on what you anticipated spending on, say, your dress, um, you know, then you kind of have to look at the rest of your budget and say, you know, what areas am I maybe willing to like pull a little bit out of that pot yeah. um, in order to make up for that, um, that like overage in another area. Um, again, I think this is something that really takes discipline. <laughs> um, totally. Hard, hard decisions sometimes, but um, if you really want to stick to that, you know, drop dead figure, then it's sometimes just what you got to do. Yeah, I think it's hard also when you start to look outside, if you stick to that, you go, oh, here's our budget, we're going to stick to it. And then the temptation to explore other areas that, you know, like going to a dress store that's definitely selling dresses that are completely out of your budget. I suppose it's it's coming to the temptation, what am I trying to say, uh, submitting to the temptation of stepping outside your budget zone in the first place can be the real downfall of of sticking to a budget I su- if you've got self-control yeah <laughs> and what's really great about what you just said is that you're leading right into my final tip which is protecting oh. yourself protecting yourself from wedding inspiration overload and you know putting yourself in situations where you might feel pressured to overspend um <laughs> so that was perfect actually really? and that's like so hard to do with so, you know, we're exposed to the Instagram and the Pinterest and other people, God forbid, you know, hearing about other people's budgets and spends. To me, that's the most challenging part and people being judgy and, you know, ugh, it, it drives me cray. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know what what's the term you use for things that some people might say are must haves, but you, you, you don't do that. Oh, I put it in the fuck it bucket. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we love, love the bucket, bucket of Brad Chiller now, Jess. This is, you know, something we I saw on Reddit and we just sort of went with it and now it's become like everyone's putting things in the fucket bucket. And I will just, I want to reiterate about the fucket bucket. There are lots of things <laughs> that might be great that you love, Jess, that I don't necessarily need and vice versa. Absolutely. And, you know, I think some people will go, oh, let's put it all in the fucket bucket. You go, great. But then I could take all that out of the fucket bucket and use it all. So it's a completely personal thing. But it's, I think it's such a great little metaphor for saying, you know, what's good for you might not be good for other people. And also what's good for your budget might not be good for someone else's budget. So, yeah, I, I think we just need to be able to put the blinkers on, not be looking at other people's stuff, just do what we want to do. Mm. Yeah, really just like ignoring all those like must-have lists and kind of like avoiding peer pressure or, you know, feeling compelled to do a certain thing out of fear of judgment from family or friends or whoever. Um, And just kind of like after a certain point in the planning, just like maybe not looking at Pinterest so much or unfollowing a bunch of wedding Instagram accounts, because then your wheels just get start turning into overdrive and um, you might 
you know, try to take on too much at the end. And those little things at the end, those little things are always what, you know, tends to put people over. So it's good to just kind of protect yourself from all of that. Yeah, protection. I think that's a really nice way to put it. I I did an episode recently um, called uh, Our Biggest Wedding Regrets, and I've asked the community to share their wedding planning regrets or just things that potentially, you know, people that are close to their wedding date have noticed in their wedding planning. And one thing that was like a continuing theme was people get engaged and then they jump into buying stuff really quickly when they haven't thought through potentially the greater picture and getting the perspective of their venue or what they want as out of the whole event. And they see a bargain or they say, oh, I want to do this for for decor. I'm going to buy 50 vases and then get six months in and go, I don't want those vases. Yeah, throw them away or whatever. And it really stuck with me because I think when you get excited, I know when I get excited and I'm I'm like the person, like a little puppy, I just jump into things and I'm like, I'm going to do this tomorrow when I make decisions in my business where my husband, Rich, is like, hey, 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 just relax. You don't have to make this decision right now. Stop buying domain <laughs> names. And and I think it's that it's an it's a human thing to get enthusiastic and excited and then just blow your load too early, basically, which is very classy. It's very easy to get swept up in. I can attest to that, you know, personally. So I get it. But if you can kind of put yourself in a little bubble, put the blinders on, uh, you'll be better off. Jess, I know we've gone through your list and it's been very helpful. Can I ask you a couple of extra wedding planning questions while I've got you here? Oh, absolutely. What are the big changes you've seen over the 10 years? And I know it started with a personal sort of, it started from a personal perspective and now you've moved a lot more into general um, general wedding planning information and help. But what are your lessons you've learned over these 10 years? No big pressure there on the answer. Um, I would say, I, I think like over over time, I've definitely noticed... Um, obviously, you know, social media has changed so much about the way people Mm. plan weddings. Um, the fact that my blog exists and it is, is a business, um, is, is testament of that too. So, um, I think that, um, you know, social media in general, um, it can, it can kind of add to that pressure. And I feel like it's, it's, I feel like the pendulum might be swinging back the other way here soon, just because, you know, for a period, you know, Pinterest was just the place to be on the internet. And from what I've heard, you know, their user base is kind of dying down. Um, yeah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard that it's, it's declining. Um, so I find that interesting, but I think, you know, in general, you know, couples are looking for ways to personalize their wedding. They're putting more emphasis on making it a true reflection of them and their personalities. And this is the whole, you know, the millennial generations like MO, yeah. like we're all, you know, unique. We want to express ourselves and, and, you know, show to the world who we are through our social media profiles and also via our, our weddings. So, um, but, you know, one thing that I think just kind of like stands the test of time is, is really, you know, taking time to like, think about like, why are we having this wedding? Like, what is the most important part of the wedding day? And it's, it's the ceremony and it's exchanging the vows. Like all the other stuff is just stuff. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think, I think the more couples can focus on that, the better, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been a crazy, like, 
decade of of watching the trends and all of that. I I don't know if um, if burlap and mason jars will ever die. I think that might be the most surprising thing that um, is still around. And I say that being a bride who had mason jars and burlap at her wedding. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's been a ride, but um, but always fun and always fun to celebrate love. So. I agree. And I think, uh, you know, and I, I've been in this a lot shorter, this game, a lot shorter sort of time period than you, but it's been really interesting seeing not the fads, but just things come and go. And then, as you said, there are the staples of the aesthetic that will always be there. And that's sort of sweet and lovely, but all this, I don't know, these colors of the year that they say, and I'm like, oh, fuck off with your colors of the yeah. year. I don't care. It's who gives a shit. It's not, it, you know, if you like purple, great, but I'm like, who decides this? It's like the Illumin- the wedding Illuminati deciding on these things, going, this year's colour will be a slightly smudgy purple. Great. I don't totally. care. <laughs> Whatever. I personally hate the colour of the year. No offence to anybody oh, who loves purple, it's, but it's just not oh, It's gross. It reminds me of like a Power Ranger or something. And, you know, yeah, Power like Rangers Barney. are great. Barney. Like Bar- yeah. Barney the dinosaur. But who did? I want to know. I want to go to that meeting and go, what are you doing? Who is? And then all these, it's like some of the fancy pants wedding people. Like, I think it's amazing. And every year they come out and it's wanky. Every year they come and they go, it's a great decision. It's a great choice. I'm like, who are you? Are you being paid to say this? Because it's yucky. I don't like it. It's just marketing so they can create, you know, thousands of products with that color this year and force people to buy them, you know? (laughs) I'm bored. It bores me. And I'm so glad. Like, I feel like when I first started this, this podcast, I was a little bit more like I'd follow all these other bloggers and I'd look at all the Pinterest stuff. And then I just was like, I don't need this delete. Got rid of it. And and so just just quickly before we head, because I know that you're about to go and catch a plane because you are not in America (laughs) right now. Where are you? I'm not. I'm in Cambodia, actually. Of course you are. (laughs) Jess, I've been living vicariously, as I'm sure a lot of your friends have been, through you visiting some amazing places the past couple of months. Can you give us a quick rundown of what you're doing? Because I think it's an amazing program, and I'm sure some listeners out there would be interested in learning more. Oh, sure, yeah. It's a um, it's a remote work program called WeRoam, and they organize um, trips around the world for um, anyone who's able to work independently, whether they are you know working remotely for a business. Um, based, you know, in their hometown or wherever, um, or if you own your own business, like, like myself, um, they kind of plan all the housing and they plan fun activities and side trips and, um, they handle all the transportation logistics in between countries. And we basically spend a month in each country and they go to, you know, all sorts of different amazing places, depending on the itinerary you choose. But I've been in Southeast Asia. This is my third month. And uh, I'll be finishing my little trip in Bali next month. So I'll be celebrating my book book launch in Bali. <laughs> it's so exotic and I love that you're saying that. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, yes. it's a beautiful place. And uh, honestly, it sounds like a really great adventure and I think it's um, it, you, you're very inspiring. So, And you've written a book and you've got it all sorted. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, as you said, uh, the Budget Savvy Wedding Planner and Organizer will be released on February 6th. So when uh, uh, when you are 
out to buy. It should be released when you're listening right now, my lovely people. So head to Amazon, yeah. I think, is where we're sending people. Is that right, Jess? Yeah, it's actually, it's already up on Amazon for pre-orders. So, um, yeah, it's 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 there. And there's a Kindle version as well, although I do prefer the printed version because you can yeah. write and scribble in it and stuff. So it's very much a workbook with interactive activities. So It's so pretty too. It's so pretty. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> Thebudgetsavvybride.com is where you can visit and learn a lot more about Jess and be inspired by a range of DIY projects, printables, real weddings, and lots of different ways to save money, which is something we can all do. Thank you so much, lovely Jess. It's so great to have you back on the show. And um, I will go back to Instagram and follow all of your beautiful photos of the sun, which I miss dearly. <laughs> Uh, I'll soak it up extra good for you. Yeah, you've dodged a shitty winter, so good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jess. Happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day.